It's time to make the dough rise, the financial podcast with Brian Doe. It's another edition of Make the Dough Rise. Walter Storholt here alongside Brian Doe, financial advisor, certified financial planner at Livingworth Wealth Advisors, serving you throughout the Lake Country and beyond with an office in Greensboro, Georgia. And you can find us online by going to livingworth.com. Check out past episodes of the show and much more information there. That's at livingworth.com. Brian, great to be with you again on another edition of the show. How you been? Doing great. Uh, I think we're headed into the 4th of July holiday as we're recording this, so I uh, don't know when we'll broadcast, but I'm I'm ready to have a patriotic weekend. That's good. A, a patriotic weekend. That's not our other weekends not patriotic, Brian. No, no, they're all uh... they're all patriotic, but uh, <laughs> That's right. That's right. We, we, we we obviously you know we got moved into the to the new house and I went to uh, Home Depot to get new keys made and they had these key blanks red white and blue with an eagle on the like the head of the key yeah. i was like i'm i'm, I'm feeling american i'm so, that, so that's my feet. office key that's my office key is that exact key oh, yeah. okay well i i've got that as my house key so you and i should not mix up keys that's right. That's right. When, when we opened our business, I said, hey, we're opening a business in the United States. That's very patriotic. Uh, pursuit of the American dream. We're going to get the American key for the office. So whenever we hire a new employee or somebody else in the office needs a key, we always go get the American one. And those are the those are the office keys. So. Yeah, perfect. That's pretty cool. Well, this is a fun podcast on the agenda for today because we have back with us special guest Jamal Mahmood, uh, the Director of Insurance Services at Main Street Financial Solutions. Go back and check out our previous episode. It was part one of our conversation about addressing the risks in your retirement uh, and specifically your retirement security. What are the risks to you having that security in your retirement uh, phase of life? And we talked a lot about long-term care and the need for some sort of coverage for long-term care, however creatively that situation gets handled. Well, on today's show, we're going to switch the attention to talking about annuities. And uh, Brian, before we bring in Jamal, I mean, this is such a big topic because there is no other financial topic in the retirement realm, I think, that gets more attention than the role of annuities. And you love them, you hate them, somewhere in between maybe, but it's a very polarizing thing. Yeah, so if, I'm going to do my best Susie Orman here. And if we had if we had video, you could see me making a nasty, uh, scrunchy face and doing thumbs down <laughs> and sticking out my, th- my tongue and going, oh, oh, annuities. And, uh, you know, to be fair, I did, and everybody sit tight with us here because when you hear the word, there's a lot of misconceptions about annuities and their potential role in retirement planning and extending the longevity of your portfolio because one, there's, there is just general misunderstanding about what it is and, and what it means. And there are multiple flavors of annuities. And so people don't always realize that what annuity is potentially right for their situation is, is completely different than other types of annuities. And when you add to that the fact that most annuities are commissioned products and most of the people selling them, you know, these free steak dinners and, and seminars that just totally focus on the, the you know, glowing positives of these annuities and that you should put all of your money in there, uh, give them a bad name because they, they get you know, sold by which one pays the highest commission. And then really the insurance industry has been the last to adapt to and convert to 
a more fee-based and transparent long-term relationship model. So a lot of problems acknowledged up front with the topic of annuities, but stick with us. We will dispel all of the negatives and also uh, focus on some positives that people might not be aware of and uh, yeah, give you some good ways to you know, not buy the wrong thing if, if this is the right strategy for you. Well, let's bring in Jamal. And Jamal, thanks for being with us again on uh, part two of this conversation about threats and uh, risk to retirement security. And we gave your kind of full bio back in the previous episode when we were talking about long-term care coverage. Um, it's, and, it's still the same. And it's still the same. It hasn't changed a whole yeah. lot since then, right? That's good. Uh, but you have, we talked about those for those who may haven't heard that first episode. You've been in all segments of the financial world during your career. So uh, you've kind of seen everything from all angles. And right now you're the director of insurance services at Main Street Financial Solutions. So are you dealing with conversations about annuities on a daily basis? How much of your career have you spent kind of in this world and and talking about it from all these different sides? Well, we definitely deal with it a lot on a daily basis because a lot of the clients that uh, come, you know, that uh, come in our doors, a lot of them either have questions about them or have some existing annuities that they don't understand. And uh, we need to take them into, we need to take them into account in our, uh, in our planning. So certainly we need to be well-versed in them and kind of understand uh, how to how to work with them and work around them. The interesting thing that I will tell you, though, is, you know, I'm, I'm going to go back like maybe 10 years ago from, from today, approximately. Uh, I remember I had a client uh, that kind of got a note that he was he was uh, transferring his his uh, his investment accounts out. And I called him. I said, hey, you know, what, what, what are you doing? Um, and, uh, it turned out that, uh, he was, he sat in a seminar and, and he was, uh, convinced by the, uh, presenter that annuities were the best thing since sliced bread. And, uh, he wanted to move all of his money into annuities. And, uh, uh, I was shocked because, uh, this was not, you know, annuities are, Brian, as you alluded to, annuities are typically, uh, fairly expensive. And I'm going to come out and say this, there's very few people, if not almost nobody that should be putting all of their money in an annuity. And that's what was being proposed uh, to my client. So, uh, but I took that opportunity to understand what was being proposed and tried to understand them better because I realized that uh, a lot of clients, uh, you know, if I wasn't going to be talking to my clients about uh, annuities, somebody else was going to. That was a particularly formative experience. Let, let me add to what Jamal is saying about that, because I I have spent far more time explaining to clients how the annuities they bought somewhere else work than annuities that I've actually sold. So I, I've also mm-hmm. had to become a bit of an expert on, and not expert on these, I've had to become very literate in these products and have spent a lot of time understanding how they work because I too had a client who, when I first started working with them, had a you know several million dollars in an IRA account. And I guarantee you they had seven or eight different annuities in this one account. Mm-hmm. Well, if you looked at it, basically every time there was cash, whatever the flavor of the day was at the annuity company, that was what this person got. There was no coordination of how they worked, what were the features and benefits, what was the timing for the cash flow, and and they were all of the variable uh, variety. And uh, you could just tell that these were only sold because of th- this was what was hot that day uh, with this particular uh, salesperson. 
you, uh, you hit the nail on the head, Brian. Um, if I, I, I can, the ratio of how often I talk with my clients about annuities to the number of annuities that I end up selling uh, is uh, embarrassingly skewed. Uh, we, we don't sell a lot of annuities. Um, but like you said, we have to have uh, that conversation with uh, m- most of our clients because you know they've got some experience with them and 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 there may be applicability so that's absolutely true and 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 what you mentioned about uh annuity companies and the flavor of the day we find that also they'll they'll take uh you know people will deal with banks or other places where they're kind of you know incentivized to to place these products and if somebody comes up with free cash uh they'll say okay well why don't you you know put this 50,000 or 100,000 in this and then uh, you know I've I've had people uh, with uh, twelve to fifteen annuities and they don't know what to do with them. So we have to understand them. And uh, but I think the message that we're trying to send today is that they're not all bad. It doesn't mean that just because people have annuities you have to kind of clear the decks of them. Uh, there's uh, very good ways to use the annuities that you've you've accumulated. Uh, and sometimes there is even a reason to purchase a new one. God forbid. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I've uh, I, I, I've I've had the. Uh some fun at the expense of Susie Orman here. And, and we've talked all about Is the... Is she listening, Susie? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure she's tuned in. Probably. I don't know if she's here this week, but yeah. We've talked about all these negatives, obviously up front about annuities. and But on the flip side, you've got somebody out there like Ken Fisher, who's advertising that he would rather burn in hell than sell you an annuity. It's graphic. Well, it's because he wants to sell you asset management. And, and so it's just, it, it's this circular thing where everybody that is diametrically and strongly opposed to one particular product, it's because they have another product that they're yeah. preferent, they have preference to sell. And and so yeah. again, not that we're perfect, we're, we're as close as you can get, but we're, uh, <laughs> we're striving for the minimization Perfection. of conflict of interest, the recommendations that we make should not be driven by the compensation. That's why the the fee-based transparent model works so well, is we don't have to sell you these unless you actually need them and and they work for you. Can I come out and say something? So again, a lot of things in a a financial planning conversation uh, rely on nuance and, and, uh, you know, it's uh, kind of an either or and a depends situation. But I'm going to just you know, make a statement. Ken Fisher is absolutely wrong. Anybody who says that annuities are are something you should stay away from, uh, they're just incorrect and not informed. The literature that we look at, and and, and Brian, you and I talked about this, and, and I think we kind of have uh, somewhat of the same idea, but the people who write in things like the Journal of Financial Planning and people who kind of look at it, not from a sales perspective, but people who teach this stuff in colleges and people who kind of write the, um, you know, do the analysis over how people really should retire. They emphasize, one of the biggest things that they've emphasized in the last 10 or 15 years is how important it is for income annuities uh, to play a role in people's retirement because you simply can't, you know, because what's the alternative? Pensions have have, kind of gone by the wayside for most people. If you have one, you're very lucky. Social Um, Security is grossly underfunded. Social Security is grossly underfunded. For most people, Social Security isn't going to cover but a fraction of what they need uh, to live on. Uh, so what's your alternative? Well, if, if you're not you know, using annuities, I mean, you're, you're, you're putting your money in a stock and bond portfolio. Maybe you have some real estate. You know, there's, there's, there's not that many different sources of income. And if you're knocking something like annuities, then you're basically saying that people should be putting all of their eggs in the other baskets. 
And I don't know about you and, and, and your clients, but I would not advise uh, my clients just, you know, to, to a carte blanche to just put everything in stocks and bonds and go to sleep for 30 years. Um, so, yeah, no, you have to look at it. Uh, you have to look at it carefully, all this stuff. Yeah. And, and let me just go ahead and clarify, Walter, there's there's three types or, or categories of annuities. And, and that's where some of this confusion comes in, because there are immediate annuities where you put money in and they start sending you a monthly check for the rest of your life. That that's yeah. that's one type of an annuity. In fact, that's that's kind of the purest definition of an annuity from a finance class is an annuity is a stream of cash flow. So, you have bought annuities if you've participated in a pension plan. I would argue that social security is a forced annuity. Uh, of sorts that they work exactly the same. You just, you buy into them and then you're going to get a lifetime income from them. The second flavor is a deferred annuity. So you put money in and it has a period where it can grow and there's some tax, potential tax advantages to that. And there's some security and, and uh, stability benefits to that type of an annuity. That That's probably my more favored kind. And then the toxic one that we're not going to even talk about, and you should not have, <laughs> definitely should not have all of your money in, is the variable annuity. And those are the ones that probably get the most airtime at the steak dinner seminars. And those are the ones that people- Those are the ones that pay the best. Those yeah. are the ones that I pay mean, the pay best. Pay the best to the, to the, to the salesperson. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. right. And uh, those, those are the ones I have to spend the most time trying to help people understand and, and unwind. So we, we yeah. can't get too far down that, that road without getting into actual compliance issues about talking about them. But it, it's pretty easy, though, Brian, to see why then annuities do get such a bad rap or can be taken advantage of in such a way, because at the end of the day, they're all called annuities, no matter what qualifier you put in front of it, fixed, variable, yeah. indexed, whatever the case may be, they're all annuities. And so as the game of telephone happens, you know, uh, Jane gets put into a variable annuity, gets told by a different advisor that this was a terrible decision for her. Jane tells everyone she ever knows from then on out that annuities are terrible, never invest in them. She drops the variable part. And now that game of telephone has spread to these different communities and to websites yep. and online. And that's the conversation now is cocktail y- hour and beach talk yeah, and everywhere. And that's what creates the division. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that's that's I, I, that's got to be frustrating for you guys, right? <laughs> I've had clients, I've had I've had situations where I I was sitting with you know I, I've sat with clients and I've said to them not intentionally but I've kind of described what an annuity does and then the client is like yeah that sounds really good and then I give them the thing and then they look at it and they're like oh no 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 I don't like annuities I'm like oh, I'm so <laughs> truly sorry. yeah that happens it's all like the time. my. It's like when you, when my kid, like I'll, I'll give them a, I'll give them a salad and they'll be enjoying it. And they're like, what's in this? Oh, it's spinach. Oh no, I don't like spinach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a good comparison. Oh, sorry. That's yeah. Comparison. Yeah. The, the blind taste test. So there you get surprised at what it was and then you change your mind on how it, how it tastes. Yeah. That's, yes. It, I, I have the, the, the same basic experience where I'll show somebody and they'll be like, oh, I don't want to take a lot of risk. I want some safety, but you know, they give you all of the benefits of an annuity is what they're looking for. So you run them a proposal and, and then they take it and they show it to their brother-in-law. They show it to a family member. They go Google it. And then they come back like, oh no, I, you know, this, these are terrible. They said, don't touch mm-hmm. these. So yeah, s- same experience here, Jamal. Yep. So 
is there a proper mix? I mean, we talk about diversification a lot. This sounds a lot to me like annuity use is just another form of diversification. You're not diversifying within a portfolio of stocks and bonds, but you're just diversifying in terms of that income stream, what you're getting from this uh, annuity supplementing being totally in the market. Is there a magic, you know, I think of the 100%, uh, what is it, the um, take your age and whatever your age is is how risky you should be in your portfolio is, I know that that's, you guys are probably cringing at that, right? But that's sort of like <laughs> this, this sort of general ballpark of, of understanding risk versus safety as you get older, hey, well, you should get a little bit safer. Hey, Feel Walter, free to pick that apart and destroy it if you want to. Yeah. yeah, Walter, I think you weren't listening when we did rules of thumb with Carrie Debs. <laughs> yes, <Yeah, that's right. laughs> <laughs> I mean, But the concept, I think, has a little something no. to it, right? As you get older, let's try to illustrate that slightly. Okay. Um, but what about annuities? I mean, because that's the problem, right? People yeah. either get pitched, you're all in this annuity, or are you guys only using it a tiny little bit? Can you give us some constructive ideas of of where you do find it appropriate to use? Yeah, I, I was just joking with you a little bit. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Jamal, do you want to touch on that? Because I, I think you've got some more research on this. Than, uh... Yeah, you know, I, I, so we just recorded the, uh, the long-term care podcast. So in, in that one, we talked about it not as an essential product, but the outgrowth of a process in which you and the client, Brian, as the financial planner, you and the client are looking at their situation and saying, what is the risk and do we need to do something to address this risk? Okay. The annuity is the same kind of a solution uh, at the end of a similar process. A good annuity placement, as far as I'm concerned, or sale or whatever, whatever you want to call it, occurs if a client is looking at their retirement portfolio and saying, you know what, I'm worried about inflation over the long term. I'm worried about uh, market drops. I'm worried about living to be 95, 96, 97, you know, uh, and I'm worried about what impact that's going to have on my portfolio. If you find yourself saying those things and looking at stocks and bonds and the other assets that you may have that are that are comprising your retirement portfolio, and you're saying, well, these are not going to do it, that's when you need to look at an annuity because an annuity is a puzzle piece that can make all of the other puzzle pieces look better. So there is no magic number. There is no rule of thumb that I would say that you know everybody needs an annuity this much, that much, the other. Um, but uh, everybody needs to have that process conversation with, again, with, with you, Brian, or with a, with a uh, qualified financial planner. Yeah, I don't know what uh, where these rules of thumb come in and and bonds get such good PR. And I forget who the pundit was, uh, or he was more of a uh, portfolio manager and regular talking head on CNBC, but he's now referring to bonds as return-free risk. Bond yields are so low. Yes. And if interest rates go up, bond bond prices can go down dramatically. And so you're, you're actually taking a tremendous amount of risk for very, very little return. And bonds you know, still have the uh, perception of safety and, and security, but uh, they are not free of risk like they, uh, you know, I guess have a reputation of, of having. So anyway, to, to, to answer your question, Walter, there's no, there's no set allocation, but I take clients through an exercise where we create an income floor. So, so we, we, we combine the fixed overhead, you know, overhead expenses and living expenses of, you know, surviving. 
what's an inflation-adjusted income number look like? And then you build a floor based off of pensions, social security, dividends, and a allocation to annuities. And if you do that properly, you can, again, minimize the cost of putting in an income floor. But then I can then with confidence tell clients, hey, go out and live your life and you've got you know, this much as your fallback position. You've got this dollar amount coming in like a paycheck. And I'll, I'll stagger their uh, Social Security and pension maybe come at the beginning of the month and then their dividends from their portfolio and their annuity hit the middle of the month. And then pretty soon they've got, they've got a cash flow that resembles their paycheck. Every two, you know, twice a month, they've got an infusion of cash coming into their checking account. So you have to put it into the context of that overall exercise and then back in and say, what, what's that dollar amount of that floor? What do you need? Yeah. What, what does it need to yeah. be? If you have, so to take then your example, did did you say, uh, did I imagine this or did you say it, a client with like $10,000 a month, did you, did, is that what the example is that you gave? Uh, I I may have made that up or. Maybe uh, I but, imagine. But okay. a, well, that, let's say somebody, let's say somebody's got, you know, they, they, they want to retire on $10,000 a month and then they have social security of, uh, of, of $3,000 a month. And then there's a gap of, of $7,000 a month. If they're just using a traditional portfolio management method, then the portfolio is going to be responsible for generating $7,000 a month. And the problem with that for some people is that, number one, that could be too much for the portfolio to generate. I mean, if you've got a portfolio of of a million dollars and it needs to to generate uh, $7,000 per month, that is an 8.4% withdrawal rate. That is too high to expect a stock and bond portfolio to produce over uh, a normal retirement of, of, of 20 to, to 30 years. Somebody like that, now if, if it was 2 million, okay, then, or, or 2.5 million and all you need was $7,000, then then maybe that's more palatable. Do you see what I'm saying? Because if you have that, that cushion, then you can stomach the variability a little bit where uh, you can um, you don't need the assurance of an annuity. You, you follow and, what I'm saying? Yeah, right? and, and Jamal, I think what you're getting at is the rule of thumb for a withdrawal rate: four or five percent by most yeah. academic research is sustainable. And and so yeah. what you're doing that the math on there is if if I take four percent from my portfolio, well, you know, four percent of a million is very different than four percent of two million, and that's that's what you're getting at, right? Yes, that is probably one of our favorite rules of thumb because, again, not that it always works uh, 100%, but it's a good way for getting clients to focus on, you know, if they have a certain amount in 401ks or whatever, if they want to know how much it's going to produce, uh, I can tell them, give them an estimate right away using the 4% rule. If you have a million-dollar portfolio, we're starting at around $40,000 a year in income, and we can go a little lower, a little higher, but that, you know, that gives you a ballpark. But if you have uh, a situation where somebody is uh, is in a situation like that where they're they're relying on the portfolio to produce a certain amount. You could literally have the client say, well, I want, in addition to the $3,000 a month of Social Security that I have, I want another $4,000 of guaranteed monthly income on top of my Social Security. And then you go to an annuity company or an insurance company and you say to them, listen, say the insurance company A, B, and C, we need $4,000 a month for this for this person. How much is it going to cost us in a lump sum 
in order for you to ensure that income. And they will turn around and they'll give you quotes. And that's what an income annuity quote looks like. It's it's literally, they say, well, you have to give us $600,000 and then you get a contract that says that this is the income you get for the rest of your life. And for a lot of clients, you know, back to your point about the floor, Brian, to raise the income floor from $3,000 from Social Security to $7,000, especially when they don't have pensions, to know that you can do that is tremendously powerful because then you can control how much risk you want to take in your retirement. And that sets off a lot of positive chain reactions because if your client has a $7,000 floor and all they need is $10,000 a month uh, to comfortably live on, they're not going to panic as much if their portfolio goes down, Jamal, which the, means yeah, the, the most relaxed clients or prospective clients that I've ever met with are people who have retired with maybe they were in uh, governmental, military, education, yeah. and both spouses have pensions, social mm-hmm. security, and they may not even have a huge portfolio, but man, they are not worried about a thing because those yep. checks are going to keep coming in. Yeah. For the rest of their lives. Yep. Uh, Walter, to your question, that's probably another, again, not a hard rule of thumb, but if somebody comes into our office and they don't have pensions and they have large, uh, they have large portfolio balances, it's at least worth a conversation because a lot of people don't even realize uh, that they can take part of the portfolio and effectively, I mean, I was going to say effectively buy a private pension by putting the money into an income and annuity, annuity. It's not a hundred percent the same thing, but it's it's uh, it's very similar. Very similar, yeah. You can see that trade off develop though between that's a big chunk of money, right? That you've saved up your entire life that you're now kind of turning over to this company that's going to you know say, okay, we're going to send you these checks for the rest of your life. But I know that to play devil's advocate for a moment, there's common pushback of one, I'm giving up all of that liquidity, that access to those dollars. Are you going to, what happens if I need, I have a big expense or something happens and I need to get back into that money? Just how bad am I going to be hurt going back on that contract or can it be undone? And then kind of number two, well, what happens if I turn on that funnel and then I end up dying early. And now my heirs, do they not get all of those funds? You know, and so people get kind of scared off by getting locked into kind of a, a you know, what happens if I don't even Something use that so much illiquid. of it? Yeah. yeah. I think those are two excellent questions. To the first one, you know, you, you, you brought up a lot of, uh, of the drawbacks, the, the illiquidity, uh, because it, it's true. If you put your money into uh, any kind of annuity, there is some flexibility that you give up. There's some costs to it. Uh, there's lots of drawbacks. Um, so as long as you, uh, and, and so the key is to understand uh, what the drawbacks are and to willingly exchange, accept those in exchange for the benefits. So with annuities, you certainly want to measure carefully before you cut, uh, because once you put something into an annuity, then uh, it is uh, either costly or in some cases impossible, depending on the annuity, to reverse it. Um, And that's why annuities do get a bad rap because they are kind of sold so cavalierly by some people. People will just buy them from one seminar and they say, well, now I have this this half million dollar product or whatever it is. And that is absolutely the wrong way to buy annuities. And then the second question that you mentioned there, Walter, well, what happens if you die? So, Brian, do you think your listeners are familiar with what happens when you elect a pension? I don't know if uh, how many of them will have gone through that process uh, at this stage. Yeah, a lot, if, of, know, a lot of people come in and they've, they've looked at whether they have single life, a joint okay. life, or a joint and partial survivor. Those are the, the terms you'll, you'll 
uh, tend to see with most annuity or with most pension selections. Most pensions. So they've yeah. they've seen the terms. Uh, we maybe have to explain them or do another lap around that. But yeah, we we see it all the time. Yeah, and then and then uh, there's uh, you're familiar, no doubt, with uh, life with cash refund. I would imagine, like where you have um, well, actually, that's more of an annuity one. But yeah, li- life with cash refund is shorthand for saying that you would get paid for the rest of your life, but if you die, then the full amount that you put in gets paid back. So if you pay five hundred thousand dollars for an annuity, and then it's going to give you, say, you know, some number uh, per month, but if you die early, then your entire principal goes back to you. That's life with cash refund. Another uh, the, variation would be life. What were you saying? I was going to say the one that I've heard is, or I see the most is life with period certain. Yes. yes. So life with period certain. You know it's mm-hmm. going to pay for X number of years. And if you if I bought it and collected for one year, well then yeah. for the next maybe nine years, that thing is going to continue to pay my heirs or survivor and and that way you know you you can calculate at least what your minimum return will be. Yeah. So the point is that with these annuities. So to to Walter's question, uh, you know, what happens if you die? Which is certainly something that I would be asking if I were being uh, asked to put a whole chunk of money into a financial product. The answer is that when you're designing the annuity, just like when you're making your pension election, there are a lot of opportunities to kind of put the brakes and put safeguards uh, in your elections so that uh, you don't get an unexpected result. There are some people, I will say, there are some people who it's to their advantage and they willingly choose to take an income option from an annuity or their pension where if they pass away, then they lose the the whole amount. And uh, uh, Walter, can you... (laughs) You seem to, you have some experience with this stuff. Can you guess why somebody would do something like that? Why would you opt for that? Why, why is that? <laughs> because, because that pays you the highest amount. <laughs> you know, if you, yeah. if you take an income option and you say to the insurance company that if I die tomorrow, you get to keep it, guess what? They're going to pay you the highest amount of income. And that could be very attractive for people who either don't have, uh, you know, either, you know, don't have kids that they want to benefit um, or maybe they they have kids, but the kids are all well set up. Maybe they the most important thing is for them to have the maximum amount of income. If you can take money and, and get a high you know six seven percent withdrawal rate from an annuity, um, just in exchange for putting your money with the insurance company and kind of giving up future claims to it, that's attractive for some people. But again, it's not to say that one or the other is better for anybody. The important thing is understanding the power of annuities, how they work, and you know, what they're good for and what they're not good for, and using them as an endpoint to a planning process, not a it slices, it dices, it's the solution for everything type of product. It's another great example of how retirement and financial planning isn't just about the numbers, but we have to take in that this is a great example of where the emotions come back into play and how somebody feels about the particular situation or the investment or the solution, what that plays out. I think the problem is, guys, I kind of feel like I'm at a, uh, what's a good example, a Five Guys? Do you have those in New Jersey, Jamal? Mm, Oh, yeah. Five Guys, guys, Burgers and Fries, my favorite. I kind of feel like I'm at Five Guys. When you look up at that menu and you look at all the things you can put put on your burger and the different combos, and, and it's just like, a little bit overwhelming. It's like, can I just get a hamburger? Like, <laughs> There's just so many different ways that you can take this thing called an annuity 
and tweak it and all these different little things that you can add to it. And I understand why they're in place because you're trying to accomplish lots of different goals with one product. And that's how probably over the what hundred plus years that annuities have been in existence, they've been tweaked and changed and this little product added here and there. And you've got this huge menu now, but it's just very obvious to see how, how ripe the entire thing is for misunderstanding for the average consumer. But that's the great news because that's where you guys come in to help run these analyses, kind of help us cut through some of that stuff and say, all right, look, for your situation, yes, we've got, you know, 2,000 options at our disposal, but for your situation, these 10 are going to be where we're going to focus our energy. The next person that walks through the door, it might you might throw those 10 away for that person because their fit is better for, you know, this one over here. And so you kind of help us pare down that menu a little bit. It's kind of like going to Five Guys with your buddy and he's like, look, man, just get the burger with the bacon on it and the fries and you'll be in good shape like or, or they better cut through the clutter yeah or, or better i have taken three young girls into a five guys and i've had to start with a basic line of questioning hamburger or hot dog whatever the choice is now do you like mustard do you like ketchup do you want onions and, and to just walk them through those questions so instead of looking up at that giant menu and trying to say hey what do you want on your burger what do you like what, what do you have an appetite for and we can add those things in, and that way you're not getting the jalapenos and the uh, spicy mustard on your burger if you don't like those things and don't want those things. And, and really just, again, having somebody that knows how to ask the questions, how to design the plan, and coming at it from that perspective, as opposed to, I sell annuities and therefore you need annuities, uh, is really the, the most uh, profound difference between working with a true planner as opposed to the traditional annuity salesperson. And so the summation kind of feels like the same as the last episode, that long-term care insurance might be a solution for somebody, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a solution for all. But you still need to solve for long-term care, the issue. Well, here in the annuity conversation, the focus is a little bit more on these products, the annuities, but the same principles apply. An annuity might be a good fit for your situation. But we've just got to make sure that we are still solving for that number one issue of running out of money in retirement, running out of money before we die. And that major concern that we talked about at the very beginning of part one of this conversation, annuities can be a tool to help accomplish that. But just make sure that you're not using too much of it, uh, but also make sure that you're not just throwing it out, that you're shunning it as an option. Uh, Neither answer is the right one. Unfortunately, what you hear in the news is usually one direction or the other. Very rarely do you hear this talk of they just have a nice fit in many cases. I think that's the sad thing is that just these battle lines have been drawn instead of just viewing it like every other financial product out there, a tool to help solve the problem. Well, Brian, to maybe put a bow on our conversation today and for this two-part series, uh, for those who maybe didn't listen to part one of the episode uh, of the series, uh, let's talk a little bit about your planning process. So if somebody has an annuity, let's say, two different scenarios, uh, someone's got an annuity and they don't know if it's a good fit for them. They're in that category of folks who were sold this product a long time ago. They don't really know what it's for, what it does, if it's the right fit for them. Do you help people analyze that as part of the planning process and the the four Ps that you take them through? And uh, what what, what does that conversation look like versus also somebody who's coming in for the first time who maybe has never even heard of an annuity before or until today's show and what that education looks like? Yeah. So so just for clarification, the four uh, Ps or the four steps to this process is the personal, the portfolio, programs and protections. And the personal obviously is centers around your goals and objectives. 
the portfolio is where I would put all the investment products that we've talked about and uh, specifically stocks, bonds, real estate and annuities. Honestly, they, they sort of straddle this investment product and protection. So there are the programs that we we deal with. That's the third P and then the protection protections is the fourth and insurance is sort of being merged together here with an investment product with annuities. You could look at them as, as part investment product or in, in part uh, insurance product. And they're, they're a hybrid there. And that is very much where going through the entire process and putting all of these pieces together allows us as planners to come back and say, hey, I think this would actually be a good fit for reducing risk and extending longevity and making your portfolio last longer. Here's how it fits with all of these other segments of your uh, financial life. And uh, yeah, I can't, I can't stress enough that just doing the, the entire process is the important thing. What products, investments, and uh, claiming strategies and tax strategies you deploy should all grow out of that process. Well, if you want to go through the planning process with Brian and the team at Living Worth Wealth Advisors, it's very easy to set up that time to meet. You can go to livingworth.com and uh, find the contact button right there on the page, and you can schedule a time to meet with Brian right from your smartphone or computer. Everything you need to know is at livingworth.com. That's livingworth.com. Or call directly if you prefer to do it the old school way, 706-451-9800. That's 706-451-9800. But who actually uses phones these days? So again, that easy way to do it is go to livingworth.com. Dot com. Well, Jamal, it's been great having you on the show today. I know we teased you at the beginning of uh, of part one of this conversation that you had big shoes to fill after Carrie Debs joined us a couple of episodes ago, but you did well, my friend, and uh, we appreciate your insight and your guidance. Thank you so much. It was really nice to be here. Yeah. Brian, let's let's bring him back sometime, okay? I think we'll have him back. Yeah. We, we, there's a lot we didn't talk about. I can just tell he's, uh, he's itching to tell us some more. Yeah, for those, uh, our, our listeners obviously can't see our, you know, kind of, we have some notes, so a peek behind the curtain, right? We have uh, notes that we work off of for our show, just kind of a rough outline of what we want to talk about. We maybe touched on like 10% of the things that we had written down for our there, notes. There's a lot episodes. of real estate left on this page. <laughs> we got we to right. talk about Ken Fisher more too. That's, That's right. right. That's right. Yeah. We'll do it. We'll do it for sure. Uh, Well, thank you both for joining us and for your insight and help. If you have any questions uh, for Jamal, for Brian, uh, for the show in general, never hesitate. Reach out if you've got anything on your mind. We're happy to take your questions. Livingworth.com again, where you can get in touch with us and ask those questions. For Brian and Jamal, I'm Walter. We'll talk to you next time right back here on Make the Dough Rise. Make the Dough Rise is brought to you by Living Worth Wealth Advisors, with a central office in Greensboro, Georgia, but serving the Lake Country and beyond. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all your favorite podcasting apps. Subscribe today and never miss an episode. Just search for Make the Dough Rise with Brian Doe. You can also visit MakeTheDoughRise.com to listen to recent episodes. If you'd like to contact the show or schedule a complimentary financial review with Brian and the team, just go to MakeTheDoughRise.com and get in touch through the website. Or call 706-451-9800. Thanks for listening to Make the Dough Rise.
Investment advisory services offered through Main Street Financial Solutions, LLC. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accurateness and completeness cannot be guaranteed.